Well, hello, everyone. We are so delighted that you are with us today. We pray that you've had a wonderful week and a great weekend, and you're looking forward to another blessed week ahead. First of all, I would like to, on behalf of my family, thank each of you. Uh, Reedy Branch, you truly are a blessing to us. It is it is truly a blessing to be able to serve uh, this church, this this local congregation. You have been so generous to my family, and we greatly appreciate you and the gift of pastor appreciation last week. And uh, we just pray that God continues to bless you and continues to allow us to to serve you. Well, as we begin to turn our attention to the Word of God, we are, we are in the book of Acts still. We are going to move to chapter 5 today, and we're going to look in verses 1 through 11. However, we do want to remind you what's been taking place. As we have been in the book of Acts, we begin to see the church, the early church form. And as we're looking at the formation of the early church, we just want to remind you that it began with, with Jesus, uh, his ascension. And at, at the time of his ascension, he, he left the promise. And the promise was the coming of the Holy Spirit. We covered uh, the meeting in the room where the disciples had gathered together in obedience, praying and seeking God's face. And on the day of Pentecost, when it fully come, the Holy Spirit came and manifest himself among the believers. Now, when this took place, there was a message that was given by Peter. And as Peter preached this message, the Bible records that 3,000 souls were added to the church. Oh, what a powerful message it had to be. For it was a message of the gospel. It's a message centered around the word of God, centered around Jesus Christ himself. And we, we find that, that as it grew, we find that the, that Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And as they're on their way to the temple, they come upon a man who had been lame from birth. And as they come upon this man who had been lame from birth, he, he was begging alms and they had no money to give him. But what they had was greater than any money. They had Jesus. And when they declared to him that silver and gold have they none, but such as they have, they give unto him. They were giving him Jesus Christ. And as they shared Jesus with him, he was immediately strengthened in his feet and his bones and his legs and he was able to walk so much more to be able to do for himself than to have to depend on others doing for him is what this man received and for this Peter preached Jesus he preached Jesus and because he preached Jesus he and John were arrested now as they were arrested we found that that this man that that while he was leaping and running, they understood he had been about 40 years old. He had been lame from birth and it could not be denied that a great miracle had taken place. And now we, they, Peter and John are being persecuted for this miracle. And the purpose of their being, or the reason they were persecuted was because they preached in Jesus name. 
Well, the Sanhedrin or the, the rulers, the religious rulers of that day, they realized that they couldn't deny the miracle that took place. So they forbade Peter and John to preach Jesus any longer. Well, when they let them go, Peter and John went back and they told the other believers what had taken place. And what, what really struck us and what we shared last time was that how they began to pray. They came on one accord and they sought the face of God. And, and as they did that, they did not pray that the, that the persecution would end. They did not pray that God would do away with that persecution. Instead, they prayed for boldness in the midst of the persecution. They wanted to be assured that they would obey God rather than man. So they saw boldness. As a matter of fact, in verse 31 in chapter 4, the Bible says that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And this leads us into chapter 5. And as we go, as we're going into chapter five, we begin to see the first sin among the church and the sin among the church is that of hypocrisy. So today in today's message, we want to focus our, our time just thinking about hypocrisy and its results. If in verses five through 11 in chapter, in chapter five, verses five through 11 in the book of Acts, we find hypocrisy and its results. As you're turning there, uh, according to the testimony of Lee Strobel, Lee was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune and by his own testimony, he was ruthless. He was a man who, who, himself by his own admission was an atheist. He was a man who loved the high-end lifestyle of work, travel, and partying. He, and the only time he had for his family was whatever time he had left from indulging himself in a high-end lifestyle. Well, as he was so busy and wanting nothing to do with God, God began to work in his family. He began working his family by working with his wife, Leslie. Through a series of events, God led Leslie to give her heart to Jesus. And by Lee's own admission, he was stunned to find out that his wife had become a Christian. He thought, great, there goes our fun. She would become a prude. And it's all going to be downhill from here. Well, Lee watched his wife carefully for two years. He even began to go with her to church services. Although, by his own admission, he, he went because of her nagging. But while attending church with his wife, Lee began to aggressively look for hypocrites in the church. Since he was a journalist, since he was an admitted atheist at the time, he wanted to disprove Christianity. I want to share this with us, that all around us, there are people looking and seeking answers. They have their hypocrisy antennas up high, and they're wondering if Christianity is real or not. So the question is for you who are listening today, what does the world see when they're looking at you? 
The question for me to answer is, what does the world see when they're looking at me? Do they see truth or do they see hypocrisy? Well, this text helps us to see some results of hypocrisy. The Bible tells us in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphire, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back of his proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart and you have not lied to men, but to God? Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last breath. So great fear came upon all those who had heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last breath. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear come upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. This is God's holy word. Pray with us, would you? God, as we do come before you, once again, we just thank you. Thank you for this privilege to open your word. Thank you, God, for the lessons that you teach us throughout your word. We pray, God, that you would be with us as we attempt to declare your word to your people. We pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint us afresh. That God, that you would touch these lips of clay. And that you would use me as a vessel to speak the truth of your word. Now, God, as, you do, as we do this, we pray that you would minister to those who are listening. We pray, God, that you would encourage and strengthen those who are believers and for those who don't know you. Through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that you would speak to their hearts, convict them of their sin, and call them into your family. And God, we give you praise for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. When we come to this chapter, it's not like most chapters. This chapter begins with the word, but. The buts in the Bible always indicate a change in the story. The issue in chapter 5 actually begins in chapter 4. So in verses 32 through 37, it helps us to see that the individuals of the early church were more concerned with meeting the needs of others than accumulating for themselves. 
As a matter of fact, their, their concern was that no one would go lacking. Even if it meant those who possessed land and, and houses would have to sell their property and, and distribute the proceeds to anyone who was in need. Now, there was one individual that is named here in this passage in 32 through 37 in chapter 4, and his name is Barnabas. And the Bible tells us that Barnabas had property, and he was willing, he willingly sold so the money could be given to the apostles to distribute among those whom they saw fit. Now, it seems that Ananias and his wife, Sophia, witnessed this. And it, it apparently they marveled at the response that Barnabas received and they wanted some of this same kind of appreciation for themselves. So they put together a plan to receive this same type of appreciation, but it backfired for them. And their deaths were the first recorded deaths within the church. What we'll find is that the word hypocrite, it comes from a word which means to act a part as on a stage. Hypocrisy is the deliberate deception, trying to make people think that we are more spiritual than what we really are. So we're all prone to this type of hypocrisy. And we need to be clear on the nature of sin, of the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. Their sin was not that they sold their property and had given only a part of what they received to the church. In fact, Peter makes it clear in verse 4 in chapter 5 that they didn't have to give anything to the church. That they could have kept all the proceeds. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have to sell their land. It was their land to do what they chose to do with it. However, their sin was that they tried to deceive the apostles. They tried to deceive the church into thinking that they were given an entire amount when in fact they were keeping back a portion for themselves. In other words, they were trying to impress everyone with a false commitment. Have we ever done that? Have we ever, have we ever been guilty of trying to impress Others with our commitment and devotion to Christ when we know in our heart that we're exaggerating ourselves. I, I do believe as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor of a church, it's something that, that we as pastors truly have to guard ourselves with because we can, if we ever feel like we're doing enough, if we ever feel like we've reached the pinnacle, if we ever feel like we stand above and beyond those who we're ministering to, then we're, we're been where we're at too long <laughs> and it's time for us to step away and regroup and realize that that we're prone to this hypocrisy, that we're not perfect, we're not better than anyone else. We have a different calling on our lives, but that doesn't mean that, that we get to parade ourselves as being better than who we really and truly are. And here, when we look in this passage, we find this is what took place. This couple tried to show themselves off as being something that they really weren't, well, that they really was not. When we look here in this passage, there are three things I want us to notice. First, we want to notice the severity of hypocrisy. 
There was no opportunity here given to repent. The hypocrisy is so severe that in this passage, in this text, in the early church, there was not given an opportunity for them to repent of their of their sin. As a matter of fact, they were given the opportunity to acknowledge their sin, but they weren't given an opportunity to repent once their sin was, was made known to them. When Ananias brought the money to the apostles, he was questioned and immediately Ananias, Ananias, they were questioned immediately. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. The truth is right here, that's what Satan does. Satan is the father of lies and he is a murderer. As a matter of fact, John 8 and 44, Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he speaks, a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And whenever, and Satan, because he is a liar, because he is the father of lies, because he is a murderer, he seeks to deceive you. And as he seeks to deceive you, he seeks to destroy your life. As a result of this, without an explanation, Ananias, he falls dead. And they carried him out and they buried him. There wasn't a funeral possession. There wasn't a time of mourning. There wasn't a, a group there singing a beautiful song over his life. But he died and they took him out and they buried him. He died a shameful death. A death filled with sin. And here Ananias' wife isn't even told of her husband's death. We're living in a time when, when people find out about their loved ones dying in all sorts of ways. There, there was once a time when they got a, a report from a police officer who come knocking at the door. Or there was a time. But now we've gotten so advanced that, that people won't even wait for a police officer to go and tell a family that a loved one has passed. Instead, that making their own business posted all over social media media for people to find out about it before the family even knows here this woman's husband whom she was still living with had died and no one tells her three hours later three hours later she comes to where Peter is at and Peter questions her about whether or not they had given all the proceeds from selling the land. And her answer was yes. And upon hearing this, Peter then asked the question, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? And she falls dead at Peter's feet. You know, we, we have to wonder, what's the big deal here? Why is it that they had to lose their lives over this? In a time when, when everything and anything seems to be tolerated, we may wonder why was the penalty in the first century church so severe? Well, the fact is that it, it was not him lying to men that was taking place. Instead, he was lying to God. He lied to the Holy Spirit and in lying to the Holy Spirit, it is lying to God himself. 
Folks, we must remember in 1 Corinthians 5 and 8, it teaches us that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, when you allow a little bit of, of, of wrongdoing, when you allow a little bit of sin to take place, then all it's going to do is fester and it's going to grow. And we see that going on in, in our society today. People want, don't want the police officers to stop them for little things. We want to think that's, that there are little crimes that they should just they should just not even bother with. But the truth of the matter is these little crimes lead to bigger crimes and, and, and even bigger crimes to, to where they become criminal in, 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 its, in its content. And we, we need to understand that, that we can't allow just a little living in when it comes to the church. If we allow a little white lie, sooner or later it's going to become a big lie. And after it's a, a big lie, it's going to become a false teaching and a false doctrine. And we're going to be teaching a, a group of people who, who will go out into the world and share a lie that we've taught from the word of God itself. We can't afford to allow sin to creep in and it not be dealt with. Hypocrisy, like living, it starts out small. It may even be barely noticeable. But if it's not quickly dealt with, it spreads. And it becomes too big to manage. We can rest assured God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. Here at this time, the church was in its infancy. So it was imperative that this sin was dealt with. This made a huge statement to the early church. First Peter 4 17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Folks, when we look at this, if in the first century Peter is saying that that it that judgment begins in the house of God, what would what should we think today? Here in the 21st century, judgment begins in the house of God. And if judgment begins with us, oh, in this wicked world that we're living in, what do you think God's going to do on the day of reckoning? Oh, we saw through Noah how he destroyed the world with the flood. Even before Noah, we saw how with Lot, how he destroyed a city with fire and brimstone. Sin will be dealt with. And if we allow a little bit to take place, oh, we better believe that it, we will answer for it. Being a hypocrite brings severe consequences. For one, it kills relationships. People don't want to be associated with or be connected with those who are known for hypocrisy. And two, hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of professing Christians has been a stumbling block for many unsaved people. And that's why we keep hearing the church is full of hypocrites. This means that while someone is choosing not to receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. That is a personal decision. And while it is a personal decision, really that choice could be made based upon how we live our lives as Christians. Oh, the Bible warns us not to hurt God's little ones. For if we hurt his little ones, it's better for 
a millstone to be tied around our neck and us to be cast down. Listen, we can't afford hypocrisy to be part of our lives as born again Christians because it has severe consequences. Here for this couple, we find it cost them their life. For us, it's going to cost us. If we've truly been saved and we're intent on living the life of a hypocrite, you can believe it'll cost us rewards when we get to heaven. Oh, preacher, but as long as I get there, it won't matter. Well, yes, it will. <laughs> because it will be made known to us why we don't have anything to place at the feet of Jesus. You may think, you may think that there won't be any tears in heaven. Well, the Bible declares that he will wipe the tear away. <laughs> If there's no tears in heaven, why would he have to wipe the tear away? You know when that takes place? After the final judgment. So there, at that time of presenting to Jesus, we'll see our deeds go through the fire. And they're going to come back either hay, wood, and stubble, burn up, or they'll come back precious jewels. To offer at the feet of our Savior. Oh, there's a severity to hypocrisy. Someone once said, if God dealt with all hypocrites in the church as he dealt with this couple, our churches would become morgues. <laughs> I pray that's not true. I pray that that's not true. But certainly... Certainly, we are prone to it. But also, we want to notice the subject of the hypocrisy. Here in this passage, Ananias and Sapphira are not the main subject themselves of the passage. Actually, the subject of hypocrisy here is the church. This couple were, they were professing Christians. They were members of the church in Jerusalem. And surely... The church in Jerusalem had a problem that we don't have here at Reedy Branch. Or do we? Well, you'll have to decide. You know, what, what happens is we often wear masks that, uh, and, in order to hide things from one another. How many of us are truly willing to expose everything about ourselves to one another? I would bet that none of us really want to be that open with each other. We don't want other Christians to know our struggles. And we put our, our spiritual mask on uh, so that we can hide all that we're able to hide, knowing that we're not who we pretend to be. As a matter of fact, casting crowns. One of my favorite uh, contemporary Christian groups, they recorded a song titled Stained Glass Masquerade. The lyrics state this, is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted on grin, I'll play the part again. 
so everyone will see me the way that I see them. I'm afraid that is one of the biggest issues plaguing our church today. We're afraid to be vulnerable with one another. Folks, if we can't be vulnerable with one another at church, then we've forgotten what our duty is. And that is to love one another, to extend grace, love and mercy, to show compassion and to be a family that lifts each other up and never tear each other down. Micah 6 and 8 says, he has shown you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. Here we're called we're called to be able to be open. We're, all, we're called to be able to be transparent. We're, we're called to be able to love one another and, and to be at the church and, and be able to share our hurts and our flaws and our faults and, and not be judged over it by one another. It's a place where we come together and we lift each other up in prayer. Oh, when I'm hurting, there are times when I need someone to hurt with me. And there are times when you're hurting that, that I need to hurt along with you. But when we're too proud to share our hurts with one another, we'll go through this time lonely, putting on a mask, charading in front of, of others what we are truly not. Folks, this stems from hypocrisy. Oh, we, we don't need to be the subject of hypocrisy. Instead, we need to be a solution to hypocrisy. But we need to also recognize where hypocrisy starts. In this passage, it shares with us the pride. Our pride is where this hypocrisy begins. It would seem that the early church was praising God for this generous love offering that Barnabas had brought. And Satan whispered to Ananias and Sapphira, you, you can have some of this glory as well. Perhaps he shared with him that, shared with them that you can make others think that you're as spiritual as Barnabas. If Ananias and Sapphira had sold their land and had told the apostles, we feel led to give half to the church, it wouldn't have been a problem. But their hearts were filled with pride. They wanted to appear as spiritual giants without trusting God to take care of them. Their pride became their motivation rather than their love of God and their love of others. And as born again believers, impressing others can't be our motivation for serving the Lord. We must be more concerned with what God thinks of us than what other people think of us. John Piper in a hunger for God comments, if, if the reward you aim at in fasting is admiration of others, then that's what you'll get. And that will be all that you get. In other words, the danger of hypocrisy is that it is so successful. It aims at the praise of men and it succeeds. But that's all. That's all it does. Folks, we don't have to share. We don't have to put on display. We don't have to try to convince others of the good that we do. Unless the good is done in order to get the applause of men. And if that's it, that's all that we'll get. If we truly desire for God to be pleased with us, then, 
then we can do what we do without bringing attention to it. And the truth is, what's done in the dark, God will bring to the light. And that works on two sides of the coin. Luke 8, 17 says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. So you can try to hide your bad and God will bring it to light. Or you can follow God's precepts and you can not boast about the good that you do and let God boast for you. Give him glory and he'll shine his light upon you. The question is, what will he be bringing to light for you? Is it the evil intention of your heart or your sincere love for him? His desire is to shed light to this dark world of your sincere love for him. And I, I just don't believe anyone sets goals to become a hypocrite. Instead, we, we want to be accepted so bad that what we do, we feel we must have to do in order to be accepted. And often being accepted is not enough. Instead, we want a little bit of spotlight shining on us. You know, in the course of this song, Stained Glass Masquerade, we find the words, Are we happy plastic people under shining plastic steeples with walls around our weakness and smiles that hide our pain? But the invitation's open to every heart that's been broken. Maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. Are you ready today to close that curtain? It begins with trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It begins with giving all that you have over to him. If you're willing to admit that you are a sinner and in need of a Savior, and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for the sin of the world, and that he is the Savior of the world, then all... That is required is that you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and turn your life over to him and allow him to change you. Because when he is Lord of your life, pleasing him becomes your priority. And pleasing others will become more important than gaining recognition for yourself. Are you ready today? Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? Are you ready to truly commit yourself to him and to walk away from pretending to be who you're not? The only way to kill hypocrisy is to trust Jesus with everything. Oh, if you're ready, why would, why would, why won't you pray with me right now? God, I know I have failed you. I know I've sought attention for myself. But God, I want all glory to be given to you. God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need a savior. And Jesus Christ came into this life, born of a virgin, your only begotten son. And he gave his life so that we could have eternal life.
God, I believe this. And right now, I receive Jesus as my Savior. Help me. Help me to live a truthful life for you. And God will praise you and give you glory for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Oh, if you've prayed this prayer and you believe in your heart that Jesus has saved you, would you share this with us? Would you share with us that you're no longer pretending, but now you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And we'll celebrate with you. <laughs> we'll join you in giving God glory, honor, and praise for it all. And we'll continue to lift you up in our prayers. We pray that God blesses each one of you who've been listening today. We pray that this message speaks to your heart. As you hear this last song, this song of invitation, we pray if there's anyone willing to give their life to Jesus, don't wait too late. Now, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's not promise. Let Jesus have control of your life. And he'll make you glad. God bless you.